So good to see you all here today. Uh, so exciting. We kick off a new sermon series today called uh, Ghost Stories. So do you remember, um, maybe as a kid growing up, maybe you still do this with your kids or grandkids, um, summertime, I think of a big bonfire, uh, roasting marshmallows, and telling ghost stories. So that was kind of like the idea behind this uh, series. So it's just like that, exactly like it, except uh, there's no bonfire, uh, there's no marshmallows, uh, and there's no spooky ghost stories. Uh, But we decided to stick with that anyways, because we are talking about uh, a ghost, but a not-so-spooky ghost, uh, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've heard that before. Um, It's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct persons in one Godhead. And so... We might know, if you grew up in church, you might know about, you know, God the Father, talked about a lot, and creation. We talk about God the Son a whole lot, Jesus the Christ, God walking among us, forgiving us of our sins through his uh, death and resurrection on the cross, uh, teaching us a new way of living modeled by his perfect life. But then you get to God the Holy Spirit, and, well, that's the God that's kind of forgotten, I mean, unless you grew up Pentecostal, then there's no way you could ever possibly forget the Holy Spirit. But, but for some of us, and, and maybe this is a little bit of, of me too, that, that sometimes the Holy Spirit feels like that, that strange uncle that nobody uh, talks about at Thanksgiving dinner, but everybody knows that he's there in the room. Like maybe that's kind of the impression of the Holy Spirit uh, that you grew up with. Um, but what we hope to do what we hope to do throughout these next couple of weeks is, uh, is uh, bridge some of that a little bit um, by retelling some of these powerful stories about the Holy Ghost, reminding ourselves that this is a God that cannot be forgotten. And so here's, here's what I want to challenge all of us to do throughout these next couple of weeks. Um, I want to challenge all of us as a church uh, to meditate and even memorize passage of scripture. Now, if you're thinking like, I I can't possibly do that, you know, my mind's too full. Look, I get you. I have a terrible memory and my mind is too full. But I think that there's such a huge blessing in this discipline of, of carrying around a promise of God with you wherever you go, whatever is happening in your life. I know that that's been, that's been a huge help uh, for me in my life. And so uh, this is one of the passages that, that I've memorized, and, and I want to encourage you all to memorize it with me uh, throughout these next couple weeks. Um, because I've, I've found myself turning to it time and time again in my life. And so it's 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7. And so as we do this, just like a little mind hack whenever you're trying to memorize scripture, is that you say uh, the reference first, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Uh, then you say the passage in its entirety, and then say the reference again at the end, 2 Timothy 1, 7. So why don't, why don't we try that together? This is 2 Timothy uh, 1, 7. So, uh, let's say that together. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, 
love and self-discipline. Second Timothy 1, 7. Okay, you got the order now. Let's try it again, right? Second Timothy 1, 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Second Timothy 1, 7. Now, that's just been such a powerful uh, promise that, that I've clung to, uh, I've, I've reached for uh, throughout my life, that, that it's there for me to just kind of access because I've, I've hidden it in my heart and I've hidden it in my mind. And, and that's such a helpful thing because, I mean, let's be honest, Christianity, Christianity can be a little bit difficult, <laughs> right? I mean, all religion is a little bit difficult because... It's the idea that we're supposed to have a relationship with a God that we cannot physically see. I mean, a relationship with an invisible person. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s, and it's, it's hard enough for me to have a relationship, a friendship with somebody that I can physically see standing in front of me. And so now the challenge is, supposed to have a relationship, a friendship with, with a God that is invisible. But I guess that's why they call it faith, right? Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so just hang with me here because here's what I think is just kind of the really unique thing about Christianity. And, and this is gonna be just a really rough, simplified overview. So those of you who have like really studied the Bible, just we'll talk later, okay? But here's just a really simple, rough overview of things. In the Old Testament, we're given this picture of God who's this like huge cosmic force creating the heavens and the earth, ordering all the things of the world within it, causing these huge earth-shifting events to occur. But God is kind of separate from creation. I mean, not, not in a standoff way, not, not in a cold way, but, but there, is, there is a clear depiction that, that God is, is different from us, and, and that the God is in a way kind of distant to us. That, that God can be approached, but God can be approached by specific people in specific places during specific times. And, and it, it can be in a very personal way, but, but there still remains this distance between God and us. And then Jesus comes along, and, and the first name that he's given is Emmanuel. God with us, close, personal, intimate. God came in the form of a baby, walked the same ground that we walk upon, breathed the same air that we breathe, ate the same food, had friendships, got in arguments, all of that stuff, even died our own death. God came close to us. God came with us. But... God was still limited in a way through the person of Jesus because Jesus was one man in one specific place, in one specific moment in history. That God was now intimately close to us, God with us, Emmanuel, but still God desires to be closer still. And so before Jesus leaves earth, ascends into heaven, 
He, he gives us a promise, a promise that, that God would be closer, closer still, closer than, than we could even know, closer than we could even perceive, that God isn't just above us, and that God wouldn't just be beside us anymore, but that God would be within us, within us through his Holy Spirit. And so follow this. I mean, it, it's all the same God, all the same God. But we see continually throughout the story of Scripture and continually throughout the story of hopefully our own lives is that God is relentlessly drawing closer and closer to us. And so let me take you to a passage of Scripture that's just kind of really fascinating uh, because I I think it gets to the heart of what a lot of us uh, sort of feel today. And, and maybe this is something that you've struggled with. Maybe this is something that, that you continue to kind of wrestle with in your own life is, is where is God? And maybe for you, that, that's not a question of does God exist or not? Like you've settled that in your mind, but there's still like on a monthly, weekly, maybe even a daily basis where, where you're asking yourself, well, where is God here? And now, where, where is God when, when, when I need God right now. And so one day Jesus is talking with his friends, his, his disciples, and, and he's telling them that it's coming, that he's going to have to face the cross, that, that he will die, that he will not be with them physically forever. And this is kind of his, his farewell speech to his friends. And his disciples, I mean, they're, they're heartbroken over this. Of, of course they would be. They're heartbroken that a man that they've come to love and trust, devote years of their life to following, is now about to leave them. And they're, they're afraid of losing Jesus, but, but maybe even more so than that, they're, they're afraid that their relationship with Jesus would now come to an end. That once they can no longer wrap their arms around this man in love, well then, what is there? Where is God after, after all of this? Because up until Jesus' death and resurrection, I mean, death was, was final. It put an end to life. It put an end to love. It put an end to relationships. But in the midst of that, Jesus speaks a word of comfort, and he tells his disciples, he says, don't worry. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. This is, this is not the end. I may have to leave, but, but you will never be alone. I'm going to a place, and I'm preparing to make room for you. And one day we will be together. Don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. I have to leave, but I will never leave you alone. And so here's where we're going to pick up in the story. This is right after Jesus says some of that stuff. This is John chapter 14, verse 5. But Thomas, one of the disciples who was with him, said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That if you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. But Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough 
for us. Just, just, just help us to see this God. Just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time. He goes on. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works or the miracles themselves. And so the two disciples here, Thomas and Philip, they they ask the question that, that we all ask. I mean, how do we know like God is real? And how do, how do we know that God is really here with us? How, how do I know that God is with me? And, and, and after all, what happens when Jesus, the founder and leader of this movement, is no longer around? What, what happens to us? What, what happens when we're, when we're left on our own? We don't have access to God's transforming power anymore. What, what are we supposed to do with that, Jesus? And so follow his, his argument here. I know it's kind of a lot to take in, but, but Jesus' argument here is that Jesus tells his disciples that he and the Father are one, that they're the same God, and that because they have known Jesus, because they have seen Jesus, they have known and they have seen the Father. And that's a lot to take in. I mean, how, how can God possibly be both here, beside and there as well. And so my four-year-old son is wrestling with this theological concept right now, um, a huge theological idea. I mean, he gets the idea of God, and, and he knows about Jesus. He knows that, that Jesus lived, that he was born, that, that he died, that he rose from the grave, but putting all the pieces together in his four-year-old mind, you know, you can just like see the wheels spinning and like smoke coming out of his ears a little bit with all of this. And so the other night he asked me, he said, Daddy, where does God live? I said, well, buddy, where do you think God lives? He thought about it for a second. He said, um, in my heart? I said, yeah, that's right. Good job, bud. Just like so proud. But then I wanted to test his theological knowledge, right? Like, let's, let's really work at this thing, okay? I said, okay, bud, where else does God live? Oh. And you could really see the wheels starting to spin then. He goes, um, daddy's heart? I said, yeah, buddy, I think. Good job. I said, where else? Um... Mommy's heart? Yep, buddy, you're right. Good job. Mommy's heart, too. Where else? Mm. Preacher's heart? Preacher is our dog. So, said, yep, you're right. Preacher's heart, too. And on and on we went. Where else? Where else? Where else? Where else, buddy? Where else does God live? In the sky? Yeah, God, God's, God's in the sky and God's in heaven. Where else? 
And then by the time we got to the point where he was saying God isn't his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I was like, I think we're borderline, like, you know, that's beautiful, but it might be heretical. I'd got to think through this. I got to work out my own stuff here. But at the end, he, he just said, like, that's crazy. God, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And that's just, that's such a profound idea that this four-year-old is wrestling with. And, and, and it's something that, like, maybe, you know, maybe we've, we've lost as well. That sometimes we think, you know, God is, is here in this place. Yes, absolutely. God is here in this place. But where else? Is God also out there? God is here with you, but is God also with them? And so Jesus says something important next. Goes on to verse 15. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And he gave just one love one another as I have loved you. That if you love me, keep my commandments. Thomas, Philip, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Hang on to that word. To help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's just skip down a couple of verses, and he continues on in uh, verse 25. Jesus says this. He says, all of this I have spoken. All, all these things that I have said, I have spoken while I'm still right here with you. But the advocate, there it is again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. So I'm leaving here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so let's go to that word advocate. It's, it's such a great little word. And, and in the Greek, it's, it's really fascinating. It's, it's the word paraclete. And maybe you've, if you grew up Roman Catholic, you've heard this word before, Greek Orthodox. Uh, that word paraclete or parakletos. Para meaning alongside or, or with, kind of like a paralegal, a partner in this thing, right? Para alongside or with. And uh, kletos means to call to beckon, to, to speak, to, to invite. And so the Holy Spirit, another name for the Holy Spirit, is the paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us and the one who is with us to speak into our lives and to speak for us, an advocate, one who knows us so intimately well that can speak into the depths of our lives and can even speak on our behalf. Can you imagine a friend? Can you imagine a relationship that, that's that close? That can speak the word directly into your heart that you need. Who knows you so intimately well that can even speak on your behalf. That the spirit of God is now God alongside and God within every one of us. The presence of God is within each and every one of us. 
God still, in specific people, in specific places, at specific times, but now also, that's universal. That intimacy that, that was meant just for one is now shared with the whole world. And you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I get asked by people, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit in my life? How, how can I have more of the Holy Spirit? Kind of like, you know, we're a gas tank or something and the Holy Spirit is trying to fill us up. And, and I get the intention behind the question because it comes from a place where, where we feel distant from God and, and all of us have probably been there at some point in our lives before, right? But here's the thing, is that you already have all of the Holy Spirit, you already have all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to need. And, and just because you may not speak in tongues or prophesy or fall out on the floor or anything like that, that doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit works in different ways for different people. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you have his Spirit fully within you. And so the question isn't, do I have enough of the Holy Spirit or, or do I have all of the Holy Spirit? The better question that we have to ask ourselves is, does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Does the Holy Spirit really have, have all of me? That the Holy Spirit isn't something that we can reach out and possess, but the Holy Spirit is something that comes and possesses us, working within us, calling in us, speaking a word of comfort, speaking a word of counsel, speaking a word of conviction. And so I wanted to spend just, just a quick moment on, on those three things, because I think those are kind of the three ways that the Holy Spirit works universally throughout our lives. Comfort, counsel, and conviction. And so the Holy Spirit comforts us. That in those moments when, when we've seemed to have hit rock bottom and, and we feel all alone, here's the good news, that we're not alone. Jesus has promised us, I will never leave you as orphans. That even though I'm going away, you will never be alone. No matter the circumstances that you're going through, no matter who else walks away from you in your life, you are never alone. That Jesus has promised that his Holy Spirit will abide with you always. That you don't have to be afraid. That as we sang just just a moment ago, when I don't understand, God, when I don't understand, still I will choose you. That when I don't understand, I get to choose to love you, God. That the Holy Spirit comforts us when we're going through some stuff that we don't understand. And we've all gone through some stuff that we just don't understand And in the midst of it, there can be this peace that passes all understanding, this feeling of comfort and assurance in the midst of the storm that we're going through. And then the Holy Spirit counsels us that that when we don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit is the one to guide us in the way that we should go. The Holy Spirit's the one who, who speaks to us what is, what is of God and what is not of God. What is God's will and what is not God's will. And it's a tricky thing, I know. 
but it's that presence of the Holy Spirit, and maybe you've had this before. It's that presence of the Holy Spirit that's kind of nudging you, tapping you, pushing you a little bit to say, pick up the phone. Reach out to that person. Pray for that person right now. You need to do this right now. And so I love the way the prophet Isaiah said it. I mean, centuries before Jesus, centuries before Jesus ever gave this promise of of the paraclete, the advocate, God within us, ever, ever before Jesus said that, Isaiah had the Holy Spirit. And he said this, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. He says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Walk in it. And the way that we are to walk is always the way of holiness. That the Holy Spirit is is our helper in our journey towards holiness. And, And if we can just be honest, holiness is a hard thing, right? I mean, maybe it's not so hard between, you know, 11 o'clock and 12.05 on a Sunday morning. Like, we got that. But holiness is a little bit tougher on a Tuesday at 2.45 when you got a coworker who's under your skin about something and you want to say some words back to them that aren't found in the Bible, right? <laughs> or on a Friday night when you've been premeditating a sin and you've been marinating on that idea and the Holy Spirit comes in and says, that's not the way I want you to walk in. That voice that says, that's not the way, this is the way, go and walk in it. That's the counsel of God. And often, the Holy Spirit counsels through conviction. So here's, here's what Jesus says a, a couple chapters later, still in the middle of his kind of farewell address to his friends. This is John 16, verse 8. Jesus says this, that when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, that the Holy Spirit just kind of changes our stinking thinking, that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins, that the things that we have done wrong, the the moments that we have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves, the, the moments that we have failed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, We've had those moments, right? We've had those moments where, where we felt like we know what we ought to do. We, we know what we ought to say. That little whisper in our ear behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. We, we know what we ought to do. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we do the opposite of that. But still the Holy Spirit is there to convict us. But, but here's the thing, and, and hear me out, that the Holy Spirit always convicts us with grace. That when the Holy Spirit does convict us, show us kind of where we have fallen short, it's never to tear us down. It, it's never for us to feel bad about ourselves because that's not of God. That's not the nature, that's not the character of God to make us feel guilty and shameful. But the Holy Spirit convicts us with grace to build us up for a greater life that God has in store for each and every one of us. It's not about feeling guilty. God has already covered your guilt through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no guilt, there's no shame. But now that since you have been forgiven, 
Since, since your guilt has been wiped away, the Holy Spirit is calling you and the Spirit calls me to live a life of forgiveness and reconciliation towards others. But, and we know this, maybe you haven't put this in theological terms, but we can resist the Holy Spirit. I mean, we know what we ought to do. We, we, we hear that voice, but we choose not to listen to it. We can resist the Holy Spirit. And it's not that the Holy Spirit has stopped talking to us. It's that just maybe we have stopped listening. It's kind of like a television without a remote control. It can be on, but it can't be changed. You with me? That, that maybe, maybe that's how kind of some of us have been. We're, we're on, but we can't be changed. And maybe you like the channel that you're on right now, but God has something better for you to see as well. We just need to stop arguing with God over the remote control. Hand it over. And so one of my, one of my favorite prayers that I pray uh, most every day as I drive into work, it's, it's that old song. Maybe, maybe you've heard it before, maybe you know it. I'm not going to sing it because that won't be spirit-filled, but yeah. But it's these words. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. And use me. And I got to be honest, that, that prayer, that'll change your day. That'll change your life. And I got to warn you, it might be a little disruptive at times. But sometimes that's just what we need. We, we need a little disruption to get us to the destination that God desires for us. So the question is, you know, are, are we listening? Are we, are we taking that to heart? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Are we paying attention to that voice, that, that whisper, that, that call from within? Speaking a word of comfort, speaking a word of counsel, speaking a word of conviction where we might need it. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we're not paying attention because we're playing timid with the Holy Spirit. Remember that verse that we opened up with that we're gonna try to memorize together. Remember that it says that God didn't give us a spirit to make us timid, but of power, love, self-discipline. And so, I mean, if we were all just honest with ourselves, honest with each other, we can say, we've got some stuff going on in our lives. We've got some pain. We, we've got some confusion. We've, we've got some hurt. We've got some things that we're still hung up on and still trying to deal with. And, and we might be wondering, where is God? Not, not that God doesn't exist, but, but in the midst of this, like where, where are you, God? And here's the good news. And, and here's what I hope you leave with today. I hope you leave with knowing that Jesus has promised his spirit 
that that same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives within you, and it now lives within me, that we have an advocate, someone calling out from within us and calling into us. And so where do you, where do you need comfort? Where do you need counsel? Where do you need conviction? Where do you need that voice to speak the spirit of truth into the depths of your heart? Because it's there, it's here. That God is here, here with us now, available. The question is whether or not you are available to hear it. The spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, and use me. So God, that is our prayer. Lord, that you would melt us. As painful as that sounds, but you're not a spirit to play timid with. That you would mold us into the character of you. That you would fill us with the presence of your spirit that's love and grace and truth. And that you would use us, Lord, to reach out to our neighbors. That we would love them as we love ourselves. And that we would keep Jesus' commands to love one another as he loved us. God, then we will know that we are walking in your spirit. Show us the way to go. Encourage us to have the courage to go. In Christ's name, amen.